All right, Quaddle. Thanks for being here, dude. Um, appreciate you joining the the podcast. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, pleasure, Baron. Happy to happy to be here. Yeah, you know, you you sent me your story. Uh, I don't know, probably a few weeks ago or something, and uh, I listened to it a couple times. And if if anyone does listen to this ever, please listen to Quaddle's story before you listen to this because it's it's a treat. <laughs> Had some kids in the background. Um, yeah, yeah. They started it and they ended it well. Um, so yeah, that was awesome. Probably. Yeah, if anybody listens to that finds himself not uh, that interested in the story, they, they probably couldn't be any less interested than my kids were <laughs> in my life story. <laughs> so. I felt like they were like really listening though because they knew exactly when to jump in. That was, there was a stretch where I felt like I captured their attention. I think it was the skydiving part. Uh, yeah, yep. they, they were in, they were in on that part, so that shut them up for that shut them up for a few minutes. But then they, uh, I think they, they, by the end of it, they were pretty disappointed and <laughs> what's been accomplished by old dad. <laughs> like, what is he doing talking into his phone? Uh, I was thinking about that as I was like re-listening to it. It's you know, all the, you know any podcast or talk about how somebody got to where they got. I mean, it's always a pretty linear progression. It's never like, so I was playing baseball and just decided to be an astronaut. And <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on this NASA podcast today. <laughs> like, does it, it usually it all generally makes sense, which I guess makes it more boring to a seven and a four year old. Yeah, but so I, I just, if I had become an astronaut in the middle of that, I don't know. <laughs> it might've been more rap. <laughs> I wonder what the strangest career path from baseball to what the next one would be. There's got to be a good one out there. But I'll, I'll tell you, like, I, I think I disagree because you went from baseball to <laughs> – you didn't mention this in your story, but you went to basketball in Europe somewhere. You've told me that on our own. And then yeah. – I wish you would have included that. That would have been great. But you're going to have to talk about it now <clears throat> since I just said it. And then screenwriting in L.A., that's pretty bizarre, man. Like, yeah, you know, that doesn't – that's not linear at all. That's that's a pretty yeah. big deviation from the norm. So first, it's a journey and failure. It's a journey and failures, my friend. Um, <laughs> Which part, the basketball or uh, the whole thing? Every every part of it. I, I, I didn't try a bunch of stuff that I thought would be really cool and didn't yeah. didn't pan out any any of it. All all they say was the basketball, where that failed too pretty miserably. But I did win a, a dunk contest in in England against. See, three guys that could barely reach second division finish guys that were, could barely dunk. Um, it's weird. So. It's weirdest nine foot rims over in Europe too. It's so strange. <laughs> that helped, but it could still barely dunk. My competition could still barely dunk. So it took everything I could muster to, to pull one victory out of that uh, charade. But um, when you, uh, so yeah, no, that, that, yeah, go ahead. When, when you reminisce about just life and, you know, in your playing career, do you talk more about your basketball tryout than you do your baseball career? <laughs> <laughs> um, reminiscing where, what scenario are we reminiscing? Sorry, just, you broke up for two seconds there, but just, in bars or in, uh, <laughs> just, just around the campfire, you know, like, let me tell you guys something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I, I, it usually ends up with more basketball than, yeah. than all for fours. That's, that's for sure. Well, we we did. I got to play basketball with you one time, and the intensity in your eyes, I don't think, could be matched by any at bat that you ever had. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, your performance was was impressive. I, I'm, I'm going to give myself some credit for locking you in pregame, but um, but we got there and, and took the court for a few. Yeah, that gym was so small. Like if you went past the baseline, you were going to crash into the wall. It was probably yeah, half yeah. the size of a normal court, and you were there to win. I mean, without question, <laughs> we were going to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. That, that was uh, that was a good one. I mean, we, and, you, and you brought you brought some. You came in fearless, um, straight to the the sky hook. Um, first, first or second possession. Everybody's wondering how is this? Is, is we kicking into burn? Is he going to kick it back out here? We're going to get the ball off. And no, nope, right, right into burn, right <laughs> to the sky hook. First, first time he's touched the basketball here, he goes straight to Kareem. Uh, you can't but, defend it. You can't, you can't defend the sky hook. Tell me someone who's some ever guys on the team, but some guys on the team, all some guys on the team were scratching their head. But I said, "Look, that's that's we, we want a fearless bird, or you want a guy that's scared to scared to make a layup here." So let's go, let's run with it. We ran with it. It was a good afternoon of basketball. Oh man, oh, God, yeah, in the left hand of skyhook too. That's my specialty, but um, rarely do I make them. But hey, you got to do it for show, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good start. Um, so yeah, so back to the screenwriting and the nonlinear path. I did like, yeah. that. That is so strange, right? So going, you know, going from a, a professional baseball career to writing screenplays, <clears throat> and something you mentioned in in your story was, um, just you know how it was similar to baseball. And it doesn't sound similar to baseball at all when you just look at it from the surface. But you mentioned how it is similar in the sense of um, truth telling, and how mm-hmm. how if you write a script and it doesn't work, they're going to let you know quick. You know, they're going to be like, "No, that's not good enough," and then you got to find another way, which is, you know, not verbally done in baseball. It's just physically <clears throat> done. You're just you know if you're pitching and you know, you throw a bad pitch, they'll let you know that that was a bad pitch. But, you know, there's not a lot of verbal, you know, affirmations or confirmations, you know, with, uh, with a skill set so much when you're playing, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, like the fee, I would say, I guess the feedback is more readily apparent probably in baseball, but, but the, um, but the whole part of like, you know, like trying to make money, you have to perform with screenwriting, right? Just like you do in baseball. So that must have been, you know, pretty tough. Like you must have felt a lot of pressure similarly to your baseball career to perform well in your screenwriting, I think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I guess there's different levels in, in that racket. Um, I think when you're, when you actually start having some success, um, which similar obviously you know especially in your career getting getting to the big leagues and you're at the top of that food chain where the pressure is you know in that in that field where the pressure is the highest so we we never <laughs> we never got that far where we were on an assignment with a with a strict timeline and and a money you know a lot of money behind um that assignment coming in in a with a story that people are, are into. So we're more in the hack phase, the spec house phase, the spec screenplay phase, which is definitely less pressure in that. I, again, like, like you hit on, um, 
it kind of, it, it is amazing. And, and as my life has unfolded subsequent to those, you know, handful of years trying to write screenplays, how many lessons kind of, you know, felt like a complete waste of time. Like we were, we were hacking, trying to sell. We were heartbroken a few times when a couple things that we thought were close didn't, didn't, didn't get over the top of the mountain. And, um, you know, you think it's such a failure while it's happening and well, what, what's good coming out of this? I mean, you, you can't really translate any of these skills into a lot of things that you're going to do subsequent to this. So, um, but, but that's been entirely proven wrong. I, I guess that's, again, as my, as my life's unfolded so many things from that, those years have really proven valuable. I think like I hit on was the, the number one thing is just the value of honest feedback. So in our realm, you know, you're right that at the higher levels, um, the feedback is, you know, much, there's a lot more money behind it. So there's a lot more honest feedback, but in the lower levels, as you're trying to get up to writing screenplays that you're getting paid for, um, there is, it's really hard to get the honest feedback. So I guess if there is an analogy there, you know, when you're working your way up through high school, college, baseball, lower levels of the minor leagues, like, um, you know, that's, that's where we were at. and and we, we've found it really tough to get honest feedback and it didn't serve us well, not getting honest feedback. We'd get, people are scared. You, 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 first of all, it's hard to get readers in the script. Um, you don't know a ton of, you know, especially as you're new in that industry, you don't know a ton of people. So you give it some friends who don't really know much about screenwriting, but generally everybody has decent instincts on whether they like a story or not. So you can trust that a little bit, but then you have a handful of people you've run across as you're trying to write screenplays or in various, coffee shops here and there and you can get your script out but you know your general sampling of people in that um realm that you're relying on for feedback are going to sugarcoat that feedback and at the end of the day it does you absolutely no good um i remember like my my first script which was absolutely terrible i've looked at it since and it's it, you know at the time i thought hey i did a pretty good job with this, this script like wonder what you know the big big ideas. This is going to get things going. People are going to love this. It might be a movie. You know, you know, the whole time you're writing, you're picturing the movie in your head. So you always have that optimism that this is going to happen. Uh, I remember one producer uh, stood out. I get a couple of people like, oh, I like it, I like it. You know, so I was like, hey, listen, I'm doing great with this stuff. And then I, there was one kind of the highest level producer that got their hands on it, just short strength. Like, very quickly was, I, I got to page 40. I couldn't stand it anymore. Um, it's It's it was so boring. <laughs> and at the time I was like, well, a jerk, but that, now, you know, that's exactly the example of, I should have pursued that feedback more. What else sucked about it? What, what else did I lose? You know, you know, all that stuff. And we got better over time of getting more people that would give us that feedback. But that was it. That was everything. You, you just get too much sugar-coated feedback. So learning to value truth and honesty and, and honest feedback on your performance is critical. And now, um, you know, that's the one, thing that really ties to what I see in baseball. I was sitting with Austin Nola um, in the dugout this year, you know, when I was, was up there for the, the COVID season and he was having a great year and was in a lot, you know, a lot of stories being written about him. Can you, can you still hear me by the way? Yeah. Everything going all right? Yep. Okay. Sorry to kind of go off on a tangent here, but it's, it's a good, you know, fun you know, wrap up of the screenwriting stuff, but I was sitting with Austin, a story had been written about him. Um, you know, he was, Hot on the trade market at the time. Again, like I said, having a great year where all his numbers were up. Um, he had a good year the year before, but he had, was surpassing even some of that. And his, you know, his, his trends on exit velocities and balls he was driving were through the roof. And he was doing great for us. And 
a million different ways. But, you know, we started, he, he, he asked about the screenwriting thing because he had remembered we had talked about it before and he asked what the biggest takeaway was. And he said, so I told him just that, that, you know, getting honest feedback um, and valuing it and searching it out more and more throughout life is something that was, you know, particularly the negative feedback being far more valuable than anything that sugarcoated. He said, you know what, that's precisely what changed my career uh, was, you know, somebody when he was with the Marlins said, you know what? Like, if he was frustrated, he was, I think he was losing some playing time. He, he ended up, he was a converted catcher to us. So at the time, he was playing infield. Um, and, you know, one of his coaches, they said, you know what people say about you in this organization and around the game? Like, they think you're too slow. They think you're never going to have enough, you know, glove to play in the middle infield. You, you don't have the bat that middle infielders that are getting to the big leagues have. It was really tough on him. And it forced, Nola to kind of reevaluate everything he was doing. Um, and, you know, he was always probably a grinder and worked his butt off, but he, he took it to the next level from that point forward. And, it's, you know, that guy is an absolute tribute to mental fortitude, how you practice, how you work. Um, he did, he did everything he could to seek every advantage he could that, that was legal. And, um, yeah, I saw it pay off this year. I mean, there was a stretch for that guy from second spring training to the first half of the year was, you know, probably had a quality at bat and 48 out of 50 at bats. I mean, he was the guy you want up in less than two outs and he needed contact. I mean, he was, he was that guy. So anyways, uh, a perfect analogy to the baseball world of where um, tough feedback, honest feedback, you know, whether it's negative or not is, it ends up being the stuff that, that pushes you in the right direction. So, that's the biggest takeaway from from the screenwriting debacle. Well, it it can push you in the right direction if you choose to let it. You know, a lot of people back away from that yeah. or don't want to hear it. Exactly. Especially with like yeah. big, big leaguers, right? You know, the whole, you know, when I was playing, it's just like, you know, when you're a big leaguer, you're almost, the, the, <clears throat> the feel was like you're almost too good for feedback at that point. You know, well, I got, yeah. I got here now. I don't need any more feedback because look at where I am. Um, and right. you know, that's no matter what the field, you know, it seems like when you get to the higher, the highest level of whatever you're doing, people tend to turn away from that or stop listening to other people's feedback because they just feel like, well, I'm better than you cause you're not here with me. So why am I going to listen to you? Um, and yeah. you know, that's, um, yeah, I, I've just, there's a reason why there's not a lot of big leaguers that have played for 10 years. There's a lot of guys like myself that got there and went away pretty quick. And you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's gotta be one of the reasons, um, you know, you stop taking in information because you think you've got it all already. Uh, and you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and would you say, would you say burn? Like when you see guys that are like, that seems to me to be a core component of when you see a guy that's like a Kyle Lewis, for example, who just, you can, you have a sense, just getting a sense of just seeing the person for a day or two, this guy's got something different than, than other people. And it seems like it, it's going to promote, you know, lend itself to more durability in this game. And it's, it's usually tied to exactly what you're thinking about a guy who's constantly seeking out how he can get better and bored by, <laughs> bored by, I see this with Kyle, like a bored by praise and far more interested in somebody that can give him sort of critique that, that uh, he hadn't heard before. So, 
Yeah, it's that fine balance of like listening to people and what they have to say and and being able to um to use that in a you know, in that work in a way that works for them. Um and you know, knowing knowing when not to listen to to everything that you hear as well, you know, and um I think when people just completely close themselves off to things, then you you you're restricted right your body restricts your mind restricts or constricts would it be constricts or restricts i don't know what it is but um you there's st- a combo about there <laughs> you st- well anyway you just start closing off right like your body and mind start closing off and when that happens you're not free to let your abilities come out you're not free thinking you're not free moving and yeah that's where you ha- you have to be free moving and free thinking and let those instincts take over. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's, I guess, it's like you're hitting on the perfect, it's the perfect balance of believing in, in, you know, a lot of the foundational stuff that mm. got you that far in the first place, but seeking out what can push you to the next level. So you never really, it doesn't, it's not that seeking the criticism is making you doubt yourself in any way. It's just making you, you know, make you get, get to whatever's next that, that can push you forward. The funny thing is like you, you talked a lot about that. You're, you are a, a seeker, a searcher. I think you said was the word you used in, in your story. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem with that in, with what you do being a, a hitting coach, um, or just being when you were a hitter or <clears throat> as me as for a pitcher, like you'll never find perfection in baseball. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if you'll ever find that with screenwriting or, uh, you know, a lot of things, but particularly baseball, you'll never find perfection, but yet we keep, we keep searching for it. You know what I mean? Like we keep looking for like new, new mechanics, new thoughts, new, whatever it is to try to do this thing almost with perfection, but we can't do it. And it works with a lot of our life. Like you can, you can seek some perfection. You can be a better communicator. You know, you can, you know, whatever it is, you can be really, you can perfect, you know, maybe your diet, um, you know, your sleeping routines, stuff like that. But at some point with baseball, you're just not going to get, there's no perfection. So like, what, what are you, what are you searching for with, you know, with your career? You know what I mean? Like what being in, being a hitting coordinator, hitting coach, what do you, what are you looking for? What are you searching for there? Yeah, I, I guess, I, I, don't know, I don't know if it's a cliche, but I mean, you hear you talking about searching for perfection and that's kind of, I guess you're always kind of loosely searching for that, but I would, I would think it's more when it starts to work, you're redefining perfection a little bit as just kind of daily improvement. Well, you know, you don't really know baseball is a little more concrete. So you know, I guess perfection would be even more easily defined than what is perfection and like happiness in your life or <laughs> Um, a little more meta that way, but I, yeah, I, I think kind of just redefining that you're looking for, if I, I can get better every day, it's something then I'm making progress every day. That's, that's more, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a rejection of perfection, knowing it's never, you're never going to be perfect. And then just being accepting, um, that the best version is, you know, just trying to get better at something every day or get, you know, better yourself every day. Um, or if that's a re redefining of perfection, I, I'm not sure, but, um, 
Yeah, that's kind of, I, I guess that's how I would see it. It's more, you know, nobody's perfect. You're never going to be perfect. It's more how good can you make yourself uh, to get as close to it as, as possible. So that's, that's more where, where I try to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Do, is that where you find the most satisfaction with your career is just those daily, the daily wins? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's kind of life-wise. It's one thing that's, I, mean, I don't do this perfectly every day, but it's like I do it with my kids. We, we try to have like a checkboard where they're getting their checks. I mean, some they've gotten annoyed with at times, but you know, whether they have a brain check. So, you know, what can you do to get your brain better today? And, uh, um, a, a physical check, a new and different is the, their favorite, which is literally just like try something new and different, whether you do it or not. Like my four year old had to juggle, make three juggle touches the other day, um, keep it in the air for three bodily touches. And he couldn't do it, but he loved, like, he loved it. He was kicking the ball around, laughing, and coming up with his own ways to do it. But um, so that would be his check. But anyway, that. I'm better at holding them accountable to it than I am myself, but <laughs> we've, um, we've tried to create competitions between me and them. Um, you know, so it's the same with me. I'm trying to try to read, tend to like, you know, books pile up on you. So many things you want to get into and search. And, um, so I would try to hold myself accountable to, you know, at least 10 pages a day of whatever I'm reading and, um, you know, working out every day. That's, that's my physical check. And, something you know something related to work that i can get better at so uh, that daily improvement i i guess incremental daily improvement is what i i've kind of hung my hat on and um seeming like it, it, it's the best way to see long-term gains obviously yeah <clears throat> I, I yeah i think about that and then i and then i go to like people that are just really really good at one thing I remember listening to a podcast with yeah. uh, Joe Rogan and he had, uh, he had Chris Stapleton on the, the music country singer. Yeah. You're familiar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the podcast was pretty funny cause, uh, Rogan was like, yeah, man. So what do you like to do? You know, when you're not in studio or on, on the road or whatever, he's like, I play my guitar. And it was like, Oh, okay. Well, like, what else? Like, but what about like when you go on vacation? He's like, I don't vacation. I just like to play music. <clears throat> yeah. Know? And I was like, Yeah, that's that's why you're so good. That's why he's amazing, right? He's really, really talented. Yeah. At what he does. And if Stapleton was out, you know, uh, you know, vacationing and you know the Bahamas, and that's what he liked to do for half of the year, and then he just would. You know, his uh, manager said, "Hey, you got to go tour for six months." Would would he be as good? You know, I I don't know. It's just funny, like how some people are are absolute icons at what they do because they did that one thing really well. They didn't really have anything else in their on their radar, you know. And I just I always question that myself. Like, how does how do those things two things work? You know, we're either searchers or we're just like really locked into what we do all the time. Yeah, that's I mean, it's fascinating to me just because like that's kind of my foil is I'm, I've always been, I guess, oversampling and trying to, you know, do more things. And I think it probably has prevented me from really excelling in, in any one particular field, um, you know, whether you heard my baseball stuff, it probably did. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, I guess 
I don't know. That's it's, that's definitely um, the kind of opposite of where I, the direction I've gone. I think about it with my kids a lot. Like I think that's key to sample a lot of stuff. I think there's a lot of skills that that you know, for even for Chris, you know, Stapleton messing around with other stuff will you know benefit his guitar skills. But um, so I don't know. I, I'm big on the sampling stage at, at at the young age, but I feel like in my life I might have oversampled too long <laughs> and you, like you think like you're saying you compromise your ability to excel um in any particular field so i, I don't know I, I think the end of it and i guess you would agree with this but is you sample enough to find something you love when you find what you love that's what you can pour it all into and then you do that i, I you know some people find that like Stapleton find what they love easier than others and, and those are the ones that uh, you know in artistic and field especially um you know, give us some of the best art and my best music, and I don't know. So yeah, that is a tough balance to strike um, for people. But yeah, because I, I, mean, I, I that's where I am. And like, I feel like I would still want to write a try to write a screenplay. Like, I feel like some people are just pulled in a lot of different directions, for better or worse. And I, I don't know. I think it, there's pros and cons to that for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um. <clears throat> fun to think about you know like i think that it comes down to the person like there's no way i could just be you know only talk about mental skills all the time i mean i don't don't think we've even talked about mental skills here at all yet but yeah um it, it just comes down to the person like what nourishes your brain um and what you know what keeps you stimulated to do whatever you do you know if it's just doing that one thing that's great for that person but you know, maybe for me, maybe for you, it's like, you know, we need to go skydiving or we need to go do whatever, yeah. whatever else it is. Um, There's definitely an innate element to that. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't do the same exercise every day. I can't yeah. like, I'm definitely the different cereal guy. Like it's <laughs> um, different dinner every night. Like I'm not, yeah, there's some to the core element of my gene somewhere that, that makes me that I'm guessing. Yeah be interesting to see if the Chris Stapleton's of the world are more, um, you know, he's on the, ex- the, the Peloton every day and that's all he needs and he loves it and not much variation from there. I don't know. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> I can't see Stapleton on a Peloton, but maybe that'd be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with his guitar. Have, um, have you skydived? Yeah, so one time, that's that's uh, it. That's all. That's all I need to do. You got to you got to try it once. I don't know how you could consider a life lived on this planet without <laughs> trying the scariest damn thing a, a human's allowed to try. Where did um, you do it? Did it in Vegas. Um, I, you know, dead sober, so it wasn't like a impulsive. Hey, let's shut up. But uh, so yeah, no, it was with a squad and a group of friends and. Um, kind of we're on a trip and that was part of it. We was like, let's play on the skydiver. We got to do it. And, um, yeah, it was terrifying. I'll never do it again. It's, uh, definitely like, uh, try it and, uh, got it because it's a life experience, but don't need to do it again type deal. I and mean, you walk into that place, they have to post, um, all their statistics. I mean, oh my God. blew me away <laughs> how many more injuries and deaths there were than, oh than I think I would have thought. Um, I mean, it's like more frequent to have some sort of rolled ankle or something. So I, I, that thing, I was terrified. Then you're in a plane that 
seems like you might have a better chance of freaking surviving if you jump out of the damn thing versus <laughs> staying on the plane. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, we might have been on a budget trip there, but. Uh, and then I, of course, I get stuck with the, the wild, you know, ex-surfer, pro-surfer, skydiver guy who thought it was hilarious to, like, when he, he's going to pull the, like, there's a part where they separate you from them a little bit and, like, loosen the slack between your tandem, you know, jumper and you. Mm. And he did, you know, he, he's the guy that doesn't tell you about it and you feel like you're falling for two inches and, like, oh, my God, ah, this guy, you kidding? Like, <laughs> that's not the guy I needed for my first, first trip, but. Um, so I was just I was nonstop terrified from the minute we got on the plane to down, but like, uh, I don't, I wouldn't be the same person had we not done that. I would have been to at least get, a, get that, uh, bucket listed, um, <laughs> at some point. So do you have any pictures? I, don't know what that, I have no idea what that correlates to psychologically, what it means about a human's personality, but had to do it, never do it again. End yeah. of story. I'll tell you, I, be, I went to New Zealand and the people that were, um, bungee jumping there, they, they would bungee jump off this bridge and land in the river, right? Their head would go into the river and they would spring back up. And I, and I was like, and it was far. And I was like, how do you know? They, they call that the tea bag. Is that the bungee jumping tea bag? <laughs> yeah, t- how'd you know? <laughs> um, and I was like, how do you know, depending on weight, how far you're going to go in the river? Like how far your head is going to go into the river? And they're like, well, you know, you don't. But, you know, heavier people will go deeper. And I'm like, well, how deep? You know, like, what if there's a rock two feet? You know, like, how do, how do you know? Yeah, you don't. I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. And that that's way scarier to me than uh, skydiving. But I also haven't, I mean, just hearing you talk about skydiving makes me freak out a little bit. So, yeah, well, <clears throat> I don't know. That, that sounded more scarier just because they were making it pretty clear that you were the biggest guy there and there was a piece <laughs> yeah. of shit here to die. So I don't know if I would have done it yeah. either. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, guy teabagged and knocked himself out of <laughs> the bottom of the river. Somehow I he knew came up with two came up with came up with two salmon in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Is this how this is supposed to work? Yeah, I figured this one out. Nice try, guys. Who wants How did I know somehow we were going to get to teabagging in this thing? <laughs> uh, my apologies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, man. I, you know, let's let's shut it down. Thirty minutes is good. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of other questions I want to ask, but I think we should uh, we should shut it down now. But uh, do you have? Do you have a, uh, I don't even know. Do you have an Instagram or Twitter or anything? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know his full name, Hugh Alabama. I'm not as active on him, but, um, yeah, I have them both on Twitter at, at, at Hugh Qualabam, um, and, and Instagram. So, yeah, I'm on there. Um, I got to start following you. How do I not? That's ridiculous. I bet you post some pretty great stuff. No, I don't. I, I, I literally just, uh, keep accounts and follow the people and, someday I'll, I'll I'll get more active on it, but uh, yeah, no, I, unfortunately it's pretty pretty bland. Are but, you are you one of those people that has zero posts and like five thousand uh, <laughs> five thousand followers? No, I, yeah, I don't know where. Uh, I don't even know followers. I'll, I throw, I'll throw a few likes out there. And yeah, that's it. But yeah, no, it's a pretty um, pretty bland run right now. All right, thanks, Quaddle. 
Yeah, any anytime. We'll uh, we'll be back for skydiving and teabagging part two. Any anytime you want, I'm I'm Perfect. ready for it. Perfect. Thanks, man. All right, bro.